First Church Charlotte. Welcome everybody to our Bible study. Um, this again is going to be for me a fun Bible study because I enjoyed putting this study together. You know how I get sometimes, um, but um, hopefully um, I won't let it run away with me. Um, so we are continuing our character series, our character study series. Um, and this should be fun. Um, we're going to look more closely at the Holy Spirit tonight. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? And as you may know, the Holy Spirit is definitely not the third person of any trinity. But the Holy Spirit is the, the Almighty God himself who rules in our lives and in our hearts. So he is the Holy One who overshadowed Mary. And caused her to conceive Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, God in action, in the church and in our lives, inspiring us each and every day. The Holy Spirit motivates us. The Holy Spirit is saving us and keeping us out of trouble. The Holy Spirit helps us to control our tongue, reminding us to be careful of what we say, and what we place before our eyes, and so much more. The Holy Spirit is our subject tonight. The Holy Spirit is the one who fills our souls. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, will ultimately transport us to heaven when the trumpet of God sounds. Let me read from Isaiah chapter number 61. Jesus stood up in the temple and he read from the, the book of Isaiah where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, the Lord God, has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He, the Holy Spirit, has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those that are bound. He, the Holy Spirit, has brought me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress uh, instead of ashes, the oil instead of mourning, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of heaviness or a faint spirit. Why? That they may be called oaks of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord. Why? That he, the Holy Spirit, may be glorified. So our subject tonight is, of course, the Holy Spirit. Many, many people teach that the Spirit of God is a separate person in the Godhead. As a result, they refer to him as God, the Holy Spirit, instead of the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. However, the title Holy Spirit refers to God, the Father, as was repeated in John chapter number four and 24, where it says, for God is a spirit. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Father pours out of his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit not only makes us creatures that are living, but also lives among us and in us. The Spirit of the Father is both limitless 
the Bible says, and endless, according to Job 32, 8, which says, there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. This verse indicates that the spirit of God is the breath of the Father and not a third God in any trinity of gods. Just as the world came forth by the word of his command, and he said, let it be, and there it was. So also is creation alive by the breath of the spirit of God the Father. The word of God effected creation. It was not uttered in vain. In the same way, the breath of God, the same God, did not come in vain, but imparted life into Adam. God is the source of life. He pours out his spirit every passing moment of every day, and his spirit did not cease working after he breathed life into Adam. God is not sustained by a life outside of himself, by a separate divine living agent. Job 33, 4 says, quote, The spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. This verse testifies, this verse makes it clear that the capability of God to create is endless. It does not tell us that God the Father uses another God or divine person to create all things. It says the Spirit of God did it. The Bible compares the Spirit of God to the wind and describes the Spirit as filling all people, John 3, 8, Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. The Spirit is also typified or symbolized in Scripture by oil, or a cloud, or a fire, and then, of course, a dove. This does not mean that the Spirit permanently takes the shape of any of these images. However, instead, the Spirit of God is simply God in operation, or you may think of it as, as God in emanation. So, as the rays, like the rays of the sun, heats the, the earth, but are not a separate entity from the sun itself, so the Spirit of God can anoint and fill us without being separate from God's own essence and nature just as the rays of the sun give us heat and light because of the sun itself, so also does the Spirit of the Father gives us life because of the Father himself. Just as the sun maintains its oneness for ages in the heavens and sends it ray, its rays to the earth, and yet is not divisible in entity and nature. God has from eternity been and will continue to be for the rest of eternity one in essence, one in nature and name, creating and sustaining all things through his word and spirit. Both the Hebrew and Greek words for the Holy Spirit emphasizes the holiness of the spirit. In the Old Testament, the, the adjective holy preceding the noun spirit appears only a couple of times. Psalm 51, 11, Isaiah 63, 10 through 11. By contrast, in the New Testament, this combination of Holy Spirit is seen in most of the books of the New Testament and is repeated 
very often, many, many times. We see it especially in the book of Acts. Now, this does not mean that the emphasis on the Spirit is less in the Old Testament than in the New Testament, because we see the recurring name or title of the Spirit in the Old Testament many, many times as the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the Lord. And these expressions occur numerous times. The Hebrew and Greek words for the Spirit reveal a couple of meanings, as I mentioned, both Spirit and Wind. For example, we see in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. But at the same time, God sent a wind over the earth so that the waters receded in Genesis 8.1. And of course, Jesus said to Nicodemus, the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. God's Spirit gives birth to the Spirit that lives within us. And then it says in John 3, 6 and 8, the Spirit blows where it pleases. Another meaning of the Hebrew and Greek term for spirit is either divine human breath, the divine human breath. See Job 4, Job 12, 10, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 8. Throughout scripture, the expression spirit is written with either a capital letter S referring to God's spirit or a lowercase letter S pointing to the human spirit. And, and because the ancient manuscripts that we have do not feature capital letters or, or any distinction between upper and lowercase letters, the editors and translators of this text that we have, they are hard-pressed at times to determine whether uh, a writer had in mind the capital S for God's spirit or that of man's spirit. You can read Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 21 to see examples of that. Now let's look for the spirit in creation. The first time the word spirit appears in scripture is in the Genesis creation account. God's spirit hovering over the waters. And that is the creative power that brings order out of the chaos that existed in Genesis 1 verse 2. And then the psalmist echoes this concept when he says, quote, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth, Psalm 33, 6. The breath of God gave Adam his life. He became, the Bible says, a living soul, Genesis 2, 7. And then Job affirms that God's spirit created him and that he received life through the breath of the Almighty. You can read this in Job 27, 3, Job 32, 8, Job 33, 4, Job 34, 14, and 15. When God removes his breath from a human being or even an animal, when you can't see or hear them breathing anymore, what happens? They die and return to the dust from which they were hewn. Psalm 104, 29. Ecclesiastes 3, 19. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. Also, in the valley of the dry bones, the breath of God entered the skeletons and they came back to life when God said to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? You can read that Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. It was the Spirit of God the Spirit of God that gave life to those dry bones. Now, 
the spirit of God as an individual, as a person, if you will. And the stress of the monotheistic faiths on monotheism by the Old Testament writers focuses primarily on the oneness of God. And there, I told you some writers distinguish between God and God's spirit. Yet they don't consider the spirit to be a mirror or an emanation from God. Take, for example, the reference in Genesis 1, uh, verse, verse 2, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says God created the heaven and the earth, but at the same time, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. God says that the Spirit would not contend with man forever, Genesis 6, 3. Now, this does not mean that the writer saw two distinct divine beings, they understood that the spirit to be God's agent who exercised functions that the biblical writers expressed in human terms. Thus, the spirit of God is synonymous with the breath of God. The synonym is pronounced in, in, in several passages. You remember the Levite prayed, quote, you gave your good spirit to instruct the Israelites. We see that in Nehemiah 9 and 20. And then David asked, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? In Psalm 139, 7. And then Isaiah wrote that God's people grieved his Holy Spirit and God became their enemy in Isaiah 63 and 10, in Isaiah 48 and 16. <laughs> now let's take a look at the prophets, how the Holy Spirit dealt with them. The manifestation of the Spirit is evident, it's ripe, it's visible, it can be seen in the lives of God's prophets who told the people what God said. They became God's mouthpieces, if you will, when the Spirit descended upon them and they prophesied. The prophet Isaiah declared that the Spirit of the Sovereign God was upon me, Isaiah 61 and 1 which was fully realized, as you know, in Jesus when he stood up in the temple in Luke 4 and 18 and said the same thing to the astonishment of the Pharisees. Then Ezekiel revealed that the Spirit lifted him up and brought him to places and people in a vision that God's Spirit gave to him in Ezekiel chapter number 11. Even though some people did not bear the title of prophet, they nevertheless spoke prophetic words as the Holy Spirit of God moved on them. King David was one such individual. The Bible says he uttered his last poetic testimony before he died. And he said, quote, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. Second Samuel 23, 2. And when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, Pharaoh himself exclaimed that the spirit of God was in Joseph. We see this in Genesis 41, 38 and 9. After Samuel anointed Saul, king of Israel, the spirit of God came mightily upon Saul. And the Bible says that he prophesied and God transformed him. Watch this into a different person so that the Israelites asked this question. Hey, so is Saul among the prophets now? We read this in 1 Samuel 10, verses 5 through 13. The question was repeated when the Spirit of God ended on Saul, when he relentlessly pursued David. You remember when Saul was trying to kill him? When the Spirit of God descended on 
on Saul while he was pursuing David. The Bible said Saul stripped off his robes and prophesied in 1 Samuel 19, 23 and 4. In the camp of Israel, God took his spirit that rested on Moses and placed it on the 70 elders. Numbers 11. And they began to prophesy. And when Moses heard about it, he said, oh, I wish that the Lord would place his spirit on all the people so that everyone might prophesy. You can read about that in Numbers 11, 25 through 9. The prophet Micah opposed the false prophets of his day. And he said that he was filled with the spirit of the Lord, with justice and might to convict all Israel's of their sin. Micah chapter number three, verse eight. Now in the Old Testament, the prototype of Jesus, the Messiah is Moses, who was called a prophet and who revealed, the Bible says, the spirit of God. Moses predicted the coming of Christ when he told the Israelites that God would raise up a prophet like unto Moses from among their own people. We read this in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 and verse 18. Hence, Moses repeatedly introduced God's revelation with the words, the Lord said to Moses. We read this in Numbers 8, verse 1, verse 5, and verse 23. The Spirit took control of the prophets and through them reveal the word of the Lord. Ezekiel 2 and 2, Ezekiel 13 and 3 and 8, Ezekiel 13 and 13 and verse 20, and also Micah 3 and 8. And the, the, the earlier prophets, uh, by implication, maybe we call them the minor prophets, were inspired by the Spirit of the Lord Almighty. We read this in Zechariah chapter number 7 and verse 12. The Bible says the Spirit give, gave us power in Acts chapter number 1 and verse 8, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. So the Spirit often stirred a person and endowed them with power. One of the earlier cases, we see this in Judges chapter number 13, and this is the case of Samson, verse 24 and 25. It says, quote, the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. At Manhen Dan, between Zorah and Eshtal, Judges 13, 24 and 25. The spirit of the Lord enabled Gideon to rally Israel's tribe to take up arms against, against a much larger foreign army and to root them out with only 300 men. See Judges 6, verse 34. The Bible says Elijah was filled with the Spirit of the Lord who apparently transported him to various places. We read this in 1 Kings 18, 12, 2 Kings 2, 16. And when Samuel anointed David to be king of Israel, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. But at the same time, the spirit left Saul and God gave Saul an evil spirit to torment him in 1 Samuel 16, 13 and 14. The spirit blessed David with musical and poetic gifts 
The spirit enabled him to be a fearless warrior and the spirit endowed him with the splendid leadership abilities that he had. The Bible says the gift of the spirit was not limited to leaders and kings in Israel. For the construction of the tabernacle, God appointed Bezalel, Bezalel, Ahoalab, and many others to carry out the actual work. The Spirit of God filled Bezalel with, the Bible says, quote, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. We see this in Exodus 31, 2-4, Exodus 35, 31. In Old Testament times, however, the Spirit did not rest on every Israelite. And those who received this special gift had it only temporarily. And so now let me give you the final destiny, the meaning of this word. The universal reception of the Holy Spirit was first announced prophetically in the Old Tes Testament regarding the Spirit at Pentecost by the prophet Joel. And we see that revealed in Acts chapter number two. God spoke through Joel and said, quote, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, he said, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Joel 2, 28 and 29. But Joel was not alone in predicting the future outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people. We also had Isaiah conveyed the word of the Lord and drew the parallel of God pouring out his spirit like, like streams of water on dry ground. He said he was pouring out his spirit on Jacob's descendant, Isaiah 44, 3. And through Ezekiel, God told the Jewish exiles that, that the Lord would take them out of the nations and return them to their own land. Then he would put his spirit in them and motivate them to obey his laws. Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28 and 39 verse 29. God revealed that Messiah at his coming would be filled with the Spirit, Isaiah eleven two, and who is also poured out, who has also poured out his covenant, his spirit on his covenant people, Isaiah thirty two fifteen, Isaiah fifty nine twenty one. Then he is killed, and that his spirit would remain with God's children. You can read that in Haggai chapter number two, verse five. If we go more intentionally now to the New Testament, references to the Holy Spirit are numerous. They're everywhere, especially in the writings of Luke and Paul. New Testament teachings on the Holy Spirit fills the Old Testament prophecies that predict the Spirit's coming. The New Testament allusions to the Spirit uh, covered the spectrum from the Spirit's overshadowing the presence of for Jesus's com, uh, conception, overshadowing Mary in Matthew 1, 18 and 20 and Luke 1, 35, to the Spirit's call for Jesus's return in Revelation 22 when John wrote, do Lord, come Lord Jesus. The New Testament stresses 
the Spirit's outpourings. It stresses the Spirit's gifts, the Spirit's work. It stresses the Spirit's inspiration. It stresses the Spirit's love of fellowship and abiding presence. When we look to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what we call the Synoptic Gospels, Apart from the accounts of Jesus' birth, baptism, and temptation, allusions to the Spirit are, are few in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. By comparison, however, Luke's Gospel is filled with passages that refer to the Spirit. Both Matthew and, and Luke relate Jesus' conception as the work of the Holy Spirit. Read Matthew 1.18 and Matthew 1.20 and Luke 1.35. John the Baptist told the people that he was he would baptize with water, but Jesus would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In Matthew 3.11, Mark 1.8, Luke 3.16. Before Jesus began his ministry, the Spirit led him to the desert to be tempted by the devil. Mark 1.12, Luke 4.1, Matthew 4.1. And in Matthew's gospel, the spirit of the Father spoke through the disciples, Matthew 10.20. And in two accounts of Mark and Luke, the Holy Spirit spoke through God's people. You can read about that in Mark 13.11 and Luke 12.12. 12. And so according to all three synoptic gospels, these evangelists, the sin against the Holy Spirit will never be forgotten, either in this life or in the age to come. Serious business. You can read about that in Matthew 12, 31 and 2, and Mark 3, 29, and Luke 12, 10. When Jesus questioned the Pharisees concerning Christ, he mentioned that the Holy Spirit and asked, how is it that David, speaking by the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord? Matthew 22, 43, Mark 12, 36. The Holy Spirit composed, uh, inspired David, rather, to compose Psalm 110 when he refers to the Christ. Now, Luke's gospel has, has many references, as I told you, to the Holy Spirit. And already in the first two chapters, the readers are told that the Spirit overshadowed Mary, Luke 1.35, and filled John the Baptist, Luke 1.15, filled Elizabeth, Zechariah, and Simeon. Luke 1, 17, 41, 67, Luke 2, 25 through 27. And after being tempted by Satan, Jesus returned to Galilee and was endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit, who the Bible says rested on him, Luke 4, 14. And then Luke mentions that Jesus experienced profound joy through the Holy Spirit, Luke 10, 12. I'm sorry, Luke 12, 10, 21. And told his disciples that the Father gives the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks him. Luke eleven thirteen. Luke ends this account with a word of Jesus directed to the disciples. They are told, watch this, to remain in Jerusalem until they are endowed with the supernatural power from on high, namely the Holy Spirit, Luke 24, 49. Now, when we get to Acts, when we get to the book of Acts, 
a new era dawns on on the people of God in the New Testament with with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in, 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 in Acts chapter number two. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, the Bible says. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them and they were all filled. They were all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit dwelling in all his people were fulfilled in these apostles. And, and that same Spirit are realized in all believers today. Jesus predicted that within a few days after his ascensions, the baptism of the spirits would make his apostles witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Acts 1, verse 5 and verse 8. This prophecy was fulfilled, as I just mentioned, on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. First, for the Jewish people in Acts chapter number 2, which I just quoted, verse 38 and 39, later as we read as our golden text, but later in Samaria for the Samaritans, in chapter 8, verse 15 through 18, and still later in Caesarea Philippi for the Roman centurion Cornelius and his household, in Acts chapter number 10, 44 through 47, in Acts chapter number 11, 15 and 16, and Acts chapter number 15, verse 8. And then the last people as a group to receive the outpouring of the Spirit in the book of Acts were John the Baptist's followers. They were in Ephesus. And if you remember the story in Acts chapter number 19, the first seven verses there, when Paul met them, he says, have you all received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they responded, no, sir, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so in verse five and six of that same text, on hearing this testimony of John's disciples, Paul then rebaptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, y'all got a piece of the puzzle missing. You know what I mean? And the Bible says, when he had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. Now, the words filled with and full of the Spirit occurs repeatedly in Acts, and they are synonymous terms. For instance, standing before the Sanhedrin, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter number 4, verse 8. And when John was released and went to their own people, the Bible says, the Spirit filled all of them in Acts 4, 31. Likewise, the seven deacons were full of the Spirit in Acts chapter number 6 and 3, among whom was Stephen, Acts chapter number 6, verse 5, verse 10, and chapter 7, verse 55. The Bible also says that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 9, 17, Acts 13, 9. And so was his companion Barnabas in Acts eleven twenty four. And the believers in Pisidian Antioch receive the same blessing in Acts chapter number 13, verse 52. In the early church, the Spirit testified through the revealed word of God in Acts 1.16, Acts 4.25. 
the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip in Acts 8.29 saying, go over to this chariot and speak to the Ethiopian eunuch. He spoke to Peter in Acts 10.19 and Acts 11.12. He, the Holy Spirit, spoke to the leaders of the church at Antioch in Acts 13.2 and to Paul in chapter 21 verse 4 and 11. Moreover, the Holy Spirit confirmed the testimony of the apostles before the Sanhedrin in Acts 13.2 and did not allow them to lie, did not permit lying or, or testing or restating of the facts. You may recall Simon the sorcerer tried to buy the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Acts chapter number 8 verse 19. When he saw the power of God in action, Instead, the Spirit strengthened the church in Acts 9.31 and approved the work of the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15.28. The Holy Spirit sent for Paul and Barnabas in, in, in Acts 13.4, but forbade Paul and his companions to go to the province of Asia to enter Mysia, Acts 16.6. 6. He, the Holy Spirit, compelled Paul to go to Jerusalem, but warned that dangers await him in Acts 20, 22, and 23. Even the prophet Agabus predicted Paul's imprisonment in Acts 21, 11, and Acts 11, 28. In the Pauline epistles, we see Paul's letters. They present a theology of the Holy Spirit that is more developed than that of the other New Testament writers. Paul teaches that the Spirit has a relationship to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. He instructs the Christian in his works, in his gifts, in his power, in his presence. It is the Spirit that's doing the work. The Spirit of God who, who raised Jesus from the dead, if you will. He said, if this spirit dwells in you, that's what's going to take you to heaven. In certain chapters of Paul's epistles, Paul develops his story uh, of the Holy Spirit, his theology, if you will. Romans chapter number 8, the first two verses. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, Galatians 5. These are all Paul's letters. These selections of Paul's writings develop what we call the Pauline theology. They, they should be studied in greater context or in greater detail rather when you have the time. So let me wrap up. In conclusion, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove in Luke 3.22. It settled as tongues of fire on the people gathered at Pentecost in Jerusalem in Acts chapter number 2 and is the breath of God at creation and at recreation in Psalm 33, 6 and John 3, 8. The Holy Spirit was and is working in the formation and application of the scriptures. He, the Holy Spirit, inspired the writers of the Old and New Testaments and guided them in the very words that they would choose to write the scriptures. In 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 20 and 21, he outlines that. The Bible says he, the Holy Spirit, addressed the people. He, the Holy Spirit, addressed the people through the scriptures. Acts 28, 25, Hebrews 3, 7, Hebrews 9, 8, Hebrews 10, 15. And then we are told that the word of God, watch this, the word of God is the sword 
of the Spirit, Ephesians 6, 17. For the Christian, we have the Holy Spirit as our comforter. The Bible says he places his seal upon the believer to indicate ownership of us. 2 Corinthians 1.21 tells us that, quote, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. And at the same time, the Christian has received the assurance that the Spirit is the first installment, watch this, the first installment of still more and greater blessings to come, the Bible says, that are awaiting for the believer in 2 Corinthians 1.22. It says this, quote, and who has also put his seal on us, giving us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee as a guarantee. So so if you if you do real estate or if you do any investing, this is what's called earnest money deposit in real estate. You hold on to this. There's a lot more coming and it's going to be wonderful. So the Holy Spirit therefore is like the Bible the Bible describes it as as the dew that descends unseen on the earth. Yet it exhibits visible results of growth and fruitfulness. In that same way, in that same way, God blesses his people through the Holy Spirit and grants them the blessings of Christ's grace, God's love, and then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit living in our hearts to lead us and guide us, the Bible says, into all truth and ultimately into heaven according to 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. And that is all I have for now. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.